Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. And uh, I want to encourage us, if you're part of Providence family, uh, when moments like that happen, don't just greet family, greet people that need family, all right? And so I uh, just want to encourage us, the, these are days where we have to get outside of ourselves and go Uh, outside of our comfort zones and actually meet people. And so that can be like the best part of the day. Or if you're new and nobody came up to you, that can be your worst part of the day where you feel like you don't belong. And we don't want to do church like that here, do we? That is not the heart of Jesus. Uh, He goes right after people. He he sends us to the highways and the byways or to the fringes and the margins of society. And that's where we start. So I want to encourage you to even even that can be a moment uh, to get outside of yourself and find somebody with the love of Jesus and, and give him a high five and a hug and, and a kiss. Like wh- whatever style you do it in, I want to encourage you just to do that, all right? Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 29 and going to verse 34. That's where I'm going to be today. But I, I do want to say this, that I have not been standing here in a month. And so I'm glad to be back here. I'm glad to be speaking to you. There's a lot of things on my heart uh, for 2022. In 2021, I did a massive series just on Jesus. And, uh, and that is we could keep doing that for the next 100 years and not even tip the service because he's way better than any of us know. Um, but this year, here's what, do you want to hear a little bit about what God has in my heart? I want to give you a snapshot and then we'll jump into Genesis, all right? But this year, um, I actually want to start talking about uh, God's dream for this church again. And I not only want to talk about ideas, I want to talk about God plans that God provides for God dreams. I want to talk about where we're going and how we're going to bring light to dark places. I want to talk about what a Jesus church actually is. If it, if it only remains a, a, a cool slogan, um, but it doesn't actually turn into action, uh, we're not being a Jesus church, anybody. And so like, what is a Jesus church actually, which is going to mean when we talk about vision and the vision over this house, we're actually going to have to spend a whole lot of time talking about what is church actually. There's a whole lot of people freewheeling that one. And you're saying, well, I kind of like church like this. Well, I kind of like church like this. Well, listen to this. We don't get to decide what church is. It is already decided for us. God has defined it beautifully in the pages of scripture and he's modeled it all throughout history. And so I want us to talk about what church actually is biblically because there's a whole, there's tug of war over this one. There's people, house church and mega church and there's people literally pulling out their spiritual bazookas and annihilating brothers and sisters, spiritually speaking, over what church is or what it is not or motive assassinating. And uh, we've got to talk about what church is. It, it, wouldn't it be a shame if we were actually a part of the most dangerously beautiful thing in all of history, which is the church? And we didn't even know what it was, right? So we're going to talk this year. I, I, I'm telling you, like buckle in. We're going to spend months on this one, all right? Uh, we're going to talk about, we might uh, call that series Ecclesia. Do your homework and you'll see what that, that means, all right? We're going to talk about, if we're talking about the church, though, do you know that there would be no church without Holy Spirit. Do you know that? I think that, that so many of us were like, hey, now that's where we draw the line. I think, what? We draw the line when it comes to the third person of the Trinity? <laughs> no, we have to, if, if, we are, if we are very confused on what church is, we're even confused-er when it comes to the person and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. It's not a force, not a thing, not a mist, not a vibe, not a feeling, but a person. And he wants to be your best friend. He wants to change your life. And he wants to make you dangerous to darkness in lots of wonderful ways. So we, we have to, if we're going to spend months talking about the church, we need to talk, spend even more than that, at least triple on the Holy Spirit. And then here's, here's one. We're going to do a short uh, series this year on what biblical masculinity is. I just really believe that that is something that, that the Holy Spirit is, is crying out to churches to talk about what biblical masculinity is. Do you know that there's so many, there's so many boys in 47-year-old bodies that just don't know what a man is? And there, there's, there's a generation that has to hand off from one generation to the next, has to hand off what biblical masculinity is and raise up a generation of men that actually know what a man is and what men do, all right? And I just think that the Spirit is on that and he's going to move as, as we go there. Men, you're not supposed to be nice, you're supposed to be dangerous, all right? So this is, you're not supposed to, like, you know, masculinity is, is not just giving, you know, just like, hey, just go do stuff and I'll, I'll just put my badge of approval on it. Like, you need to be in the thick of it. You have to be. You can't be popular in your home with your kids. That's not your main goal. Your main goal is to father them. And we have to talk about this, all right? So I really believe that this is gonna, 2022 is gonna be our best year ever, not our easiest year, but it's gonna be our best year. Don't you know that you don't get a physique like this doing easy stuff? Don't you know that? You've gotta get into the gym for that, all right? Just kidding, this is, this is the opposite, all right? This is the opposite of that. And so this year we're gonna get lean and mean, all right? And we're gonna, but God is rebuilding. You don't build walls and you don't build cities and you don't build homes and you don't build churches and you don't build, build lives from an armchair, all right? We, the church has to get out again and has to start returning to the scriptures, that's reformation, and returning to the spirit, that's revival. And has to start being the church again. And as we do that, it's going to be a great year. But before we go anywhere, I started a message, my first sermon in 2022. I started a, a message that I want to do a part two to today on survival mode because we're not going to be a Jesus church if, if we don't get out of survival mode. Do you know that God's dreams for your life aren't just for you to survive? Do you know that? God's greatest dream in his heart is not that you just make it through. That is many of the gospel presentations that we've heard is like, you know, receive Jesus and you know that you're going to heaven, so just hang on until he comes. But there is something on the church that until Jesus comes, we're to bring the kingdom. We're to bring the kingdom to the earth. We're to, the life of Christ needs to be reproduced in us. So we are Jesus to the world and we can't just hide from the world. We actually have to crawl out of our holes, crawl out of survival mode, just surviving, just hanging on. And we actually have to have our lives make history for the name and fame and renown of Jesus. All right? So Genesis chapter, five, uh, Genesis chapter 25 starting with verse 29 is where we're gonna be crawling out of survival mode together. And I wanna say this too, I, if, I, if I feel a, a little wound up, it's because I am in a good way, but I'm not, I'm not speaking at people that feel like they're in survival mode, I'm, a, I'm amongst us. I think for the past three, maybe three and a half years at least, I've been in and out of survival mode myself. And let me tell you, this is miserable. 
And in survival mode, you give up a whole lot of ground. And in survival mode, you get really dissatisfied. And in survival mode, you, 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 get, you get really down. And it's an open door to all kinds of depression and all kinds of stuff. And you can, you can try to figure out how to cope when you're in that place. Or you can walk through ancient doors that God wants to open for us. And I'm all for like, let's go through the ancient doors, amen? So that's why we're starting with the first book of the entire Bible. And this is why, this is gonna be a rebuilding, not just surviving, okay? Now, there was a time two summers ago where I came face to face with my survival. I came 15 minutes, the doctor said, from meeting Jesus, all right? Have you ever had like a near-death experience? I was actually at a Starbucks once, and this lady came running up to me, and she goes, Nathan? I said, yes. She goes, Nathan Herndon? I said, do you want an autograph? Like, what? <laughs> and she goes, oh, my gosh. She goes, I thought you died. She goes, actually, she goes, see my friends over there? And I waved at them. There was like a, a group of ladies. She goes, we were just talking about how you died and how sad that was. <laughs> Can I tell you, don't believe everything you hear, all right? I was like, no, like I'm here. And she's looking at me like it's not really me. And no matter what I said to her, I couldn't convince her that I had not died. And so there's like six women that love lattes that are thinking that I'm dead today. They would not even believe me when they saw me, saw me in the flesh. All, how do you forget this? You know, anyway. The, uh, but I was, uh, two summers ago, um, I had just done a wedding. I was hungry. Um, I hadn't eaten all day. It was about four or five o'clock. It was dinner time. And I did, I, I made two mistakes. Number one, I saw a cookie and I decided to eat it. So that, that's a bad thing. That is, not, that is not healthy, all right? Number two, though, as someone who has a peanut allergy, I, I should never ingest a cookie before I know who made it and every single ingredient that was in that, okay? But in my, in my haste and in my hunger, I just grabbed it and I said, I'll be fine. Well, I ate the cookie, and 20 minutes later, I was not fine. My wife had to rush me to urgent care. And at urgent care, they passed me by all of the people, and they passed me by all of the, uh, all the mandates, and they rushed me right into the back because I was not doing well. And they shot me with uh, this, it's not adrenaline, it's epinephrine. Have you ever had that? It makes you go crazy, all right? It makes my, my heart was like racing about 120 beats per minute. My whole body was in a rash. My, uh, I was swelling up, so my, uh, I couldn't breathe well. My oxygen levels were going down, and I wasn't responding to the epinephrine, so they had to call an ambulance. And they loaded me up on a stretcher, and they put me in the stretcher, and on the stretcher, these two guys, like these people that do this work, guys, are like angels from heaven, are they not? They, can, can we get a, a round of applause for the medical community, right? And they were checking my vitals and they said his, his oxygen levels are falling. And so that, that's not fun to hear when you're strapped to a, you know, a gurney or whatever it is. And so they, they're jamming these things up my nose and it's just pure liquid oxygen. Uh, I was feeling too bad to enjoy it. Uh, but uh, they get me to the ER. They're asking me all kinds of questions. Uh, I was still in a suit because I had just performed a wedding and they're ripping my clothes off. They're putting me in this, in this like reverse like nightshirt gown kind of thing. I'm like, I didn't even care 
who saw what at the time. I was just like, save my life, please. And so I'm sitting on this thing. And then as I start to stabilize a little bit over quite a substantial amount of time, they give me a different drug. I don't know what it was. I just signed for it. I was just like, save me, please. And this drug did the opposite of what the epinephrine did. Like I was going, whoa, let's conquer the world. I don't know how, but let's do it. And they gave me another drug that made me be like, Jesus. <laughs> I almost passed out on it. I don't know what it was. My wife was watching my heart rate go from here to here, and she's like, excuse me, nurse, look, look, look. And I'm like all silly over here, all right? Well, on this silly drug that made me very high, um, I started thinking weird, okay? And uh, a nurse comes walking into the, uh, the little the place where I am to, uh, to check my vitals, and I don't know why I said this. I, I just said, excuse me, nurse. And she goes, yes. I said, would you like to hear me sing Go Down Moses? <laughs> yeah. I, Go Down Moses is a song that I sang in chamber singers in like 11th grade in high school. I don't know why that came to my mind. And she was, you know, once again, like we all applauded nurses, right, in the medical community. She, she said, sure. And so I just started singing, and my wife is sitting right here, and I, you know, she's, she's like staring at me weird. Um, and I'm like, go down, Moses. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you like that? Away down to Egypt land, tell old Pharaoh. Then I went to, for the low note, let my people go, all right? And I'm staring at, at the, and the nurse is like, that was really good. I don't know what it was about, someone needs popcorn on that? Is that what I heard? The, uh, I don't know what it was, but my wife at that moment knew that I was going to be okay. She just knew it. He's singing, go down Moses, and he's going to be fine, all right? But these nurses and these doctors, they're, they're constantly coming in over about five hours, it, it seemed. I don't know exactly what it was. Everyone's checking on me, vitals. They put a thing on my finger. There's lots of beeps going on. I've got oxygen going in my nose. They're giving me all kinds of different chemicals. I was fine after a while. But the doctor came in and said, man, 15 minutes. You're 15 minutes from actually meeting Moses. It's like, wow, that'll, that'll cause you to wake up in the morning, hello? When you see the, the reality that life is fragile, like we are, we are sons and daughters of the king and we are, we are spoken for and nothing can, can harm us, right? But these bodies are still broken, hello? And uh, th- that'll, that'll get you thinking, but l- let, me, let, me, let me swing this for a second, all right? Now, I started kind of liking the doctor because you didn't have to worry about anything. Everybody came and gave me everything that I needed. I didn't have to think about a thing. Like for like a, a busy leader, does that, does that sound good for a second? For a busy parent, does that sound good? You don't have to think about what we're having for dinner. You actually have someone think about it for you and bring it to you. Is that kind of nice? And they wheeled in on like a thing. <laughs> and you just kind of like, ah, oh, that, that, that. Can you double the pudding? Thank you. Uh, you just, you just like, they're all doing this. You feeling okay? You have it. They're, they're te- you, you actually know what your heart is doing. You know your blood, you know your vitals, but you're not trying. They're all telling you. They're just caring about you. It feels very, very nice. And I think that somebody in survival mode that is used to being the covering for other people, when they actually get covered and get taken care of, and they have actually someone else checking on their vitals instead of them being that for everybody else, it starts to be like, feel like a safe place. It starts to feel comfortable. I want you to imagine for a moment, the doctor comes in and says, we've taken care of you. We've literally saved your life. We've pumped you full of epinephrine. We've pumped you full of whatever that nasty stuff 
stuff was. We've, we've listened to your Go Down Moses song. It was very beautiful, all right? And we've got you to a place of health. It is now time for you to return to the world. It's return, time for you to return to your life. It's time to you, for you to return to your responsibilities and your wife and your children. We've saved your life. Now get back to it. And I want you to imagine for a moment that in that place, I said, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm going to stay, you know the place where you go to survive, the ER? I'm staying there. I want to stay at the place that you go to survive. I'm not going back. I like when you bring me puddings. I like when you listen to my songs. And what if I turned to my wife then and I said, Aid, like it's been a good ride. Good luck. Good luck with the kids. Good luck with their games. Actually, if you could send me a few, a few posts of Ethan, whenever Ethan is, it has his first dunk in the game, if you could just send me the, post it to YouTube, because I'll, I'll, I'll be on this from now on. Can you, can you tell Grace to keep practicing her flute? Can you tell Lena, happy birthday? Yesterday was Lena's ninth birthday. Can anybody give a round of applause to my daughter, right? Can you tell her happy birthday? And then, and then Adrian, like, like, I'm sorry, but hopefully you make it financially. And then keep me posted on Providence. I'm very interested, all right? Can you, ima can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? See, guys, when, when we allow ourselves to stay in survival mode, outside of the time that it took us to survive, we end up disqualifying ourselves from the destiny that God has in our life. We end up hurting the family that God's called us to cover. We, we, we remove ourselves from the equation. And let me tell you this, the enemy is trying his darndest. Can I say that in church? I, did, I just did. The enemy is trying his very best to get people who are, who are living just surviving. And so many of us, I think if we would actually evaluate our lives and think about what do I actually use my time doing? Am I changing the world with this, with this beautiful existence that God's given me? Am I, am I capturing his heart? Am I getting up in the morning actually on mission? Or am I just trying to stay as comfortable as I can until he returns? I'm telling you, one will make history, the other one will, will make damage. Because you weren't called just to survive. You were called to cover people. You were called to raise up a generation. You were called to storm the gates of hell. You were called to see a dark place and not complain about it, but bring the light of Jesus to that place. And your life matters, and you are very, very important, and you're not called to live in a spiritual ER. All right? Now, of course, when you would hear that and that whole speech that I gave Adrian, like, Adrian, have a good time. Like, can I tell you this? I was just talking about biblical masculinity. Can I tell you how many men do this to their wives? And they say, well, whatever the queen says, whatever she says, oh, we're gonna have this. You're not contributing. You're forfeiting your authority and you're putting it just on her. And she's carrying your load. And you need to, she, she, you two team up together as co-equals. You don't just have her do everything. Matt, I think that some men like, need to get on your knees and repent right now. Squeeze, squeeze your wife's knee quick and say, that's me. All right? I'm, I'm not joking. I think you need to do that. <laughs> Survival mode is common. The ridiculousness of it is common. I think many times in the church we haven't been actually taught how to, how to handle the weight and the pressure and the stuff that comes on with ministry. We say give it to God, but what does that look like, right? And many of us, we just haven't been discipled in it. We haven't been trained in it. We don't know what it looks like. And so for us, crawling into a hole and waiting till Jesus returns is the best that we can do, but we can do better than that. 
God doesn't call us to, to that ridiculousness. I think many times pe- uh, people uh, choose survival over actual, actual living. People choose ease over impact. So you can't think about impacting the world when you're half dead, all right? Many times we just have to be honest. I'm barely hanging in. If life looks like I'm just holding by a thread, the thread's about to break and I'm about to release, I need more help than this ER can give. I, I mentioned this, but, but uh, it's common for husbands to choose passivity, which is the opposite of masculinity, over engagement. And it's this common. Statistically, do you know how many children grow up with an with a, uh, absent father, spiritually and emotionally? Do you know that? Statistically, staggering. Many kids grow up without a, a father in the home, but even more grow up with a dad who's there, but he's not engageable. He doesn't show up in your room and say, what in the world are you doing? He doesn't show up in your life and say, I'm going to pray for you right now. And there's something about it, as annoying as that is, there's, there's something massively important about that. But m- many men choose just to be passive, say, if, if he's still alive, because that's all you know in survival mode, as long as he's still kicking, I guess I'm being a good dad. That's not being a good father. It's staggering. Passivity. Uh, so w- when a man is physically present but has given up the authority and responsibility he has given, and it's actually, it selfishly heaps all of that on his family. So this is survival mode when all you can do is get by. In the main direction of your life, and the main desire of your life, though you don't have many in survival mode, is just to survive and hold on. And you lose touch with God in survival mode, don't you? Like you're not hungry for his presence just to hang out with him anymore. You're just hungry for him to help you make it. And you lose touch with, with the calling of God on your life and the destiny of God on your life. Or maybe at one time in your life it burned bright but you lose touch of it when you're just trying to hold on. And all you're trying to do with God is is, is not enjoy him, not be intimate with him, not know him inside and out. You're just trying to use him to keep you breathing. And you lose track of kingdom momentum in survival mode, where maybe your life at one time was was really going in a direction, but somehow the, the enemy tricked you into selling your birthright and stumbling into this pit called survival mode and all the momentum of your life seems to be gone and you're in, you're in, you're in a crisis. And many of us operate in, in, a, in a lifestyle of disconnection and frustration. Peacekeeping is a sign of survival mode where your whole life, you're, you're, you don't keep peace, you make peace. It takes intention out, you don't keep peace. Keeping peace is willing to do the wrong thing to keep people happy, all right? And we, we can get into that one later, but you're, you're keeping peace and it's exhausting, more intimate with the phone or the TV than Jesus. There's relational turmoil and survival mode. There's exhaustion and survival mode. And the major concern for me is, does this get heavy too fast? Do I need to sing Go Down Moses again, anybody? See a hand. Davy Crockett says I need to sing it. I might. If I get two or three more hands, I'm going to sing this again. But I'm going to add the, I'm going to, you all, I thought this was a Jesus church, guys. It's not... It's not a Moses church. Like, anyway, the, uh, <clears throat> I do love that you love that, though. I, I might sing that later. I might come on YouTube or something with that one. <laughs> but the major concern for me is that in survival mode, listen to this, okay? If you're taking notes, this is the one you want to take. 
This is the warning. This is, this is what I, I feel the Holy Spirit is like. For my sons and daughters, I've got more for them than this. All right? But in survival mode, you can give your stuff away. In survival mode. All, all, the, all the good stuff that you get as a daughter or a son in the kingdom, you, you can give away and spiritualize. Now, I, it, it sickens me in my life where I've looked at where I've given stuff away that I never should have parted with. And, and when I watch the church, I see that all the time. We're, we're, we're more concerned with having right answers than actually living rightly. And as sons and daughters, none of us would, would get excited for our sons and daughters when they give their confidence away and they give their joy away and they give their happiness away and they give themselves away, but they're staying alive. We're like, no, there's a better life that don't give it all away. We gave this to you. And God, the Holy Spirit is, is just like sons and daughters. You have been blessed with sonship. Why are you giving it away? I'm going to talk about how you give it away and how survival mode happens. This is Genesis 25, 29 to 34. This is going to sound like a weird passage to go to for this. Maybe some of you will not think so, but this kind of got my attention this week. And it actually, when I was, I was wrestling with, should I preach this? Uh, one of the pastors here, uh, Ed Gross, called me up and said, hey, Jacob and Esau. I was like, wow, that's exactly what I was going to preach. Genesis 25, starting with verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Just like, that's in parentheses in my Bible. Um, the, the word for uh, Edom and red sound the same, okay? Uh, verse 31, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. So he's in survival mode. You see this? All right, he's in the ER bad. I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. So just stop here, just one second. He's about to die. That might be a slight exaggeration for him being really, really, really crazy hungry. All right. But he's telling himself he's about to die. So he's willing to give up his future for a meal. Verse 33, Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, this is a passage that is way deeper than I have time to get into. But if you go to the book of Hebrews, you'll actually see that Esau is, is, uh, is in Hebrews as someone who did not operate in faith. And you're like, how do you not operate in faith? He was just trying to keep himself alive. Well, that is not a kingdom concept where you give away what God gave you for a meal. That is not a, is not a kingdom concept. Well, he's just trying to stay alive. Well, that makes sense in the natural, but not in the supernatural, you see? So Esau is actually remembered throughout the pages of Scripture, Old and New Testament, as someone who despised what God gave him for taking something temporary instead of trusting God. Now, I want to talk about how survival mode happens, because this is very interesting. The first thing I want to say this is survival mode happens uh, via exhaustion. You see verses 29 and 30, um, Esau 
was uh, Esau and Jacob are, are twins, okay? And Esau was a, he came out of his mother's womb hairy and red, all right? Now, that, that you don't want to take baby pictures of this one, all right? You know, you don't want to show them to your pastor and say, look at our child. And the pastor goes, ah, whoa, whoa, that's a, okay. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's a, interesting. You show them to your family, like, look, a, like a, a little like a hairy red baby, okay? And so he, he comes out, but uh, Esau grows up being really good at hunting. And so you see this dysfunctional family where Esau's dad liked him because he, he killed him wild game. <laughs> And he brought her to his dad, and his dad's like, that's my favorite boy. But Esau was born first. And Jacob came out holding the heel of Esau, all right, actually wanting his place. And there's a prophetic word that accompanied this. If you, if you want to read back, it says, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from it within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, that's Esau, but the older, or uh, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger, that's Esau, all right? So Jacob comes out holding his, his red, hairy brother's heel, Esau had the birthright and Jacob wanted it, okay? So the, the little backstory for you. But exhaustion comes where Esau is out in the field and he's hunting. And we don't know if this has been a week of hunting, a day of hunting. We don't know the, when the last time is that he ate. We don't know the severity of this moment. But what we do know is that he comes and he sees that Jacob is cooking stew and he is exhausted and he needs some of that stew. Understandable. Totally got it. But, uh, but what, what happens here is that um, the exhaustion actually opened up a door to something more dangerous. Do you know there's something more dangerous than being exhausted? You know there's something more dangerous than being hungry? I know many of us are led by our bellies. I get it, all right? But th th many times we're bossed around by physical stuff and not spiritual realities. And so here the word exhaustion, it can, it can also be translated, he's famished. He's, he needs a meal so bad. Uh, the, if, you, if you define this word, it basically means that you're drained. You're drained of all nourishment. You're drained of all, all, of, all of your stuff. You're drained of all your juice. It's, it's drained of your physical or mental resources. It means you're completely used up. And when you look up in Webster's Dictionary, Webster's uh, you know, focuses on physical and mental resources. But I would say in the kingdom, there's also emotional and spiritual resources. And you can be drained of those as much as the physical and the mental. Hello? You can just give and give and give and give, and you're giving so much that you're, you're telling yourself Jesus likes it, Jesus likes it. Can I tell you that Jesus likes you well-rested, so you actually have something to give, so you're not always famished. Do you know that? All right? But the, the way that we define maturity in Christ really needs to change in these days. That God doesn't just want you, uh, you know, I heard one pastor say once to one of their staff people, it wasn't at Providence, I guarantee you that, okay? But I heard one of the pastors say, hey, I want you to work so hard, he said this to a staff person, that you come into my office bleeding out of your nose, begging for a vacation. I said, wow, that's, man, <laughs> who wants to work for that? That's, see, that, that is just, that's not kingdom. That is not how God, God does, doesn't want us just drained and exhausted. He wants, he wants us full and able to give, yeah. right? <laughs> Not, this poverty mindedness and the spiritualization of it really has to go. We have to get angry at the unbiblicalness of it, the unsound theology that it is. Yeah, so, but, but here we go with exhaustion. When you wrap a framework, it's good to be tired, all right? And then you come to church like that and you, and you serve and you serve and you serve. What you're actually doing is you're famishing your, whole, your mind and your body and your soul and you're opening up a door for potential uh, uh, survival mode, okay? 
You know, uh, you can be physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally exhausted. Like in the, I th- let's just call Esau all of those. You can be hungry and tired. And that, that is a dangerous place to be. And, should, and you should listen. You should never make decisions in that place. I think so many of us are just like, oh, I just want the weight of this moment off. And I'm just so hungry. Just give that to me. I just need to, I just need to survive. And that's how you think in survival mode, which is where you go when you get exhausted. But you should never make, you should, you know what? Like, you want to make a good decision? Eat your favorite meal. Someone does. Uh, Eat your favorite meal, all right? Like, just get refreshed and refresh yourself in the Lord, right? Get in your prayer closet. Get filled up until you're overflowing. And say, Holy Spirit, what are we doing today? So how you make decisions. You, get, you call up people, you get other people that are filled up with the Spirit, and you say, hey, people that, that know the Scriptures, people say, hey, what do you think the heart of God is in this moment? But you make rash decisions in your tiredness, and, and you begin to begin a journey into a place that God never intended for you to be. And the culture celebrates that kind of lifestyle where you make fast decisions, where you work hard, grind culture, and it's just not kingdom. It's just we're so surrounded by it. That, uh, that it is, it is somebody's crying and I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, like, we should cry over that, hello? Right? How about this one though? That uh, y- you can fall into survival mode not only when you're, exhaust, uh, when you're exhausted, but uh, you fall into a survival uh, mode through something I'm calling opportunism. Look at verses 30 and 31. Let me read this. So, and Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. All right, skip to verse 31. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. So here's, what, here's what's happening, guys. All right, Jacob has stew that Esau needs. You know what happens in a, in a good, healthy kingdom family? You know what happens in a good, healthy family? You see your brother in need and you freely give. Next time you're in need, maybe in a different way, that brother is gonna freely give to you. That's how it works. That's called a healthy family. All right, and an unhealthy, dysfunctional, non-kingdom family, worldly family, when you're just out for yourself, you see somebody's weakness as an opportunity for yourself to, to succeed. You see a brother in need, in a healthy family, you supply it. In an unhealthy, dysfunctional family, there's strings attached to my service. And in a fallen, broken world, what happens is other people's brokenness becomes opportunities for self-promotion instead of kingdom service. And what happens is we, we have tamed this evil and we call it business today. What do people really need? What are they willing to pay big bucks for? Let's make that and then make it feel like family. Well, we value family and stuff, but actually what you're doing is you're, you're, you're preying on their brokenness. It's not how the kingdom works. So looking for need and then capitalizing on, on it can make you money. It can, it can actually steal someone else's birthright that you, that you may lust over. But it's not how Jesus works. When Jesus sees brokenness, he comes running and gives everything that you need. All right? And this is how the enemy operates. And I think many of you could think about a time in your life where, where you've been broken and someone has tried to use you in your brokenness instead of help you. Maybe they came along uh, sounding like they were here to help, but really what they were looking for is to take what you've got. And this is how the enemy operates. He'll look for weakness, he'll look for trauma, he'll look for pain, and he'll offer an immediate solution that ultimately steals your destiny. That's what he does. 
It's like, yeah, oh, you, you need that? Well, good thing that I'm here. What a dink. <laughs> what a crazy dink. Here I am with stew. It's red, like you. You want some? <laughs> I, I'm famished for some. Well, I would love to give it to you because I actually have bread here too. You see that? Half price today. <laughs> I only need one birthright. I'll take your birthright for this meal. And the enemy, I'm telling you guys, just think with spiritual thoughts for a second. Just ask the Holy Spirit about all the ways that the enemy has gotten you on this one. The enemy is an opportunist. You ever see, you watch National Geographic and you see when like a, a lion or a hyena attacks a herd of like wildebeest, they go after the babies. You see that? The ones that aren't as strong and don't run as fast. The ones that can't protect themselves as well. The sick and the lame, they go after those. This is what the enemy does. This in a broken, fallen world, this is how it, uh, how it happens. But this is not a kingdom principle. The birthright here, many of us, we, we talk about birthright and that's not terminology that we use. But a birthright biblically was massively important it's in, in this culture. And the, a birthright is the right of the firstborn to become head of the family. It's the right of the firstborn to a double portion of the inheritance. You know that? And so here Esau is, and he's like, he's, he's, he's just years out from actually rising up to a place of, of leadership that has the potential to impact generations. This is, he's, he's years out from a, a double portion. Somebody else wants it, but it's, it's his by right. And in this case, um, the, the, the birthright in this situation, either Jacob or Esau, actually determined who would be in the line of the Messiah. <laughs> we, you don't, we don't know what God's given us, hello? But all, all the, the cheap tricks that we give, that we, we take, and, and, and we, we give kingdom riches away for cheap tricks. We give, we give, the, we give love away for, for small lovers. I'm telling you, no worldly lover is as good as Jesus, I promise. I know from experience. Here's the un unfortunate characteristics of survival mode, that double portions and authority and leadership and future generations just don't matter as much as right now in this moment. This is what the culture yells at us. All that we have is now. All that we have is now. We have you and me in this moment. It's not true. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That if they had their eyes on just now, they wouldn't have impacted us generations later. It's opportunism. The enemy will always, people not operating in the, the, the father heart of God will, will sneak in and prey on your brokenness and steal from you. How's that feel? It happened to you? Turned into your identity? It's changed your life? Don't be surprised that you're in survival mode when, you, when all your stuff is gone. You've been stolen. You've got, you've got the cheap scraps that, that left you unsatisfied. But here's the last one. It's indifference. That I'll take you in survival mode fast. Look at verse 32 to 34. I want to read this again. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I'm calling this indifference. So Esau says, I'm about to die. I need a meal. 
I'd rather be alive than have a future. It's a mental posture, this indifference, it's a mental posture where you diffuse the weight of a situation with an attitude that just says, this is how we say it today, whatever, whatever. Hey, I would like to steal this from you. I'll give you a meal for it. Fine, whatever, whatever, okay. And whatever gets you into, into a pit. Like your life is bigger than a whatever. Your life is way bigger. Your, your life is more important than a whatever. And you can't be indifference, indifferent to things that matter for eternity. There has to be some intensity wrapped around your life where you recognize the weight of your life, the call of God on your life, and the future that you can have in Jesus. And this is where you keep peace instead of making peace. This is where you become passive versus becoming intentional. It's that place of indifference. Indifference is where you hope it works out instead of actually building your future. Indifference is where you step away from responsibility and, and, uh, and being strong for others. And indifference is where you just say, oh, whatever, and you let other people fend for themselves. That's indifference. And that the enemy comes, loves to use indifference, loves to use people and their brokenness, loves to use people to say, ah, whatever. Now, this is, you know, opportunism and indifference and, and being famished and exhausted. That, that'll get you in, uh, in uh, survival mode fast. But I want to tell you that if you've been in survival mode like me and you're tired of it and you don't want to live there anymore, all of the stuff that the enemy stole from you when you were in survival mode, I, I'm just declaring this is with, uh, with biblical authority here today. You can have it all back. I just want to tell you this this morning. Like we, we can study till, till we fall asleep how you get in survival mode, but honestly, if you're there, it doesn't really matter. I say whatever to survival mode, all right? What really matters is that all the stuff that you lost in survival mode, you can have back. That's what matters. Yeah, many here have traded their birthright for survival. You've traded, you've traded God's dream for your future for survival. You've traded sonship for survival, daughtership for survival. It's, it's not enough what, what the Father says about you. You've got to hear some lady tell you something good about yourself. Or some dude tell you something good about yourself. Or you've got to be popular on YouTube. Or you, you've got to have something. You've got to have the roar of the crowd. The Father's voice is not enough. And so, so you give your birthright to the crowd and the Father's just not good enough. I'm just telling you, that is not an unforgivable sin. Honestly, that's just called being broken. And the Father loves to win back the hearts of broken sons and daughters. Hello? I'm telling you that you, you can have your, your stuff back. You can have your birthright back. But what if, what if you're thinking about, man, if I just had a time machine and I could go back to that moment and I, oh, I never would have done that. Can I, can I tell you that you don't need a time machine? You need the gospel of Jesus. And you can go back and get it all. It's, and in fact, it's not even on you. It's Jesus gets it for you. This is the beautiful message of the gospel is that you're not trying and striving to be good enough. You are just loved. And everything that God gives you is free to you, not to him. He has paid for it all. I think some of you husbands, I've been talking about that, you've given your authority away. Bosses, you've given your authority away. It's just easier to do that. Today, the Holy Spirit is saying, you need that back. You're not going to walk in your calling without that. 
you need to get it back. How do you get it back? Here's something I wanna encourage us with. I'm just calling it holy confrontation needs to be revived in the church again. Where you actually walk up to people and say, hey, listen, I gave you too much authority. You don't have the authority to make that decision, I do. But you made it. I want it back. Now, it feels, it feels hellish. It feels like, man, so wrong. Like, isn't, isn't the heart of Jesus to go up to somebody and say, hey, I did this, but you know, why don't you keep my authority? It's okay, and so we'll like each other. No, the, the goal is not liking each other. The goal is walking like Jesus, being like Jesus. The, the goal is actually walking in your authority as a son or daughter. Because some of you, 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 you need to operate in, in, in the grace of a very hard com, a confrontation. And it's gonna feel bad, but the fruit of it will be good. What, what makes it good or bad is not how you feel in the moment. What makes it good or bad is the fruit that's produced because of it. It's delayed gratification. Hard conversation produces good fruit. Sometimes the easy conversation, uh, confrontations or the easy conversations where you just give your birth right away, they, they actually have, they, they produce dysfunction and unhealth, you see. I Man, I could talk for like another 45 minutes on this. I really could, guys. I wanna wrap this up. I think some of you just need to walk into the enemy's camp this morning and say, I want it back. What you stole from me was not yours. I want it back. You don't need to ask, you need to demand. You don't need to say, hey, <laughs> Satan, you took my birthright. Would you mind just handing that back? That's not how you treat the devil. You just take what Jesus has purchased. For some of you, you need to stop avoiding issues. Difficulty is not the issue. The avoidance of it is. For others, you need to stop spiritualizing passivity. You've got to get it back. The authority that you have, you've got to get it back. Will it feel weird? Absolutely. It'll feel, here's what it'll feel like. Let's say moms or dads, let's say you have 10 children and your parenting style is, I let my kids do whatever they want and I do it for 10 years, all right? Let's just say, can you imagine the chaos and the pandemonium in that home where all you're trying to do is, oh, you want a Twinkie for dinner? Okay, let's go, hey, hey, honey, can you get the Twinkies? Ah, and you get it, everyone, and, and you know, the kids decide what you talk about around the dinner table, but there is no dinner table, it's just in front of the TV and everybody's on their devices, and you're, you're creating this, this dysfunctional environment for your kids, but you're letting it happen because you've been passive and you haven't been walking in your authority. And then one day the Holy Spirit works on your heart and, you're, and the Holy Spirit's like, you're the leader of your family, get it back. And so you walk into your house and you say, all of this Twinkie for dinner nonsense, it's stopping today. Oh, we don't want that. And I was just about to say, then you slap him, but we would never, we would never do that in the kingdom, all right? We would never do that. We, but you do whatever it takes, the, the outrage and the pressure and the turmoil, it's gonna feel like, listen, what you're doing is you're changing the culture of your home. You're changing the, the dynamic of your home, but it's healthy for your children. And your children sitting like angels around the table, all right, whether they're puking or they got bloody noses or whatever, but respecting you and listening to your voice, that is what's best for them, you see. In the kingdom, we, there, there's areas where we, we give up our birthrights and we have to get it back. And when you take authority and change the culture around you, there will be backlash, but I wanna say that backlash is, is steps in health, okay? Man, I could keep talking on this, but, but uh, it's almost noon, all right? Can we, can we just close our eyes for a moment?
and bow our heads. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now just to really speak to your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, have I given up anything in my life to the enemy or to another person that rightfully belongs to me because of the gospel of Jesus? What have I given away? What have I given away? Now, Holy Spirit, do you want me to have it back? And what I actually want you to do this morning as you hear the resounding yes in your heart, what I want you to do this, this morning is, is I, I want you to, to just re-pledge your heart to Jesus, to actually walking in the identity that you rightfully have as heirs, as heirs in the kingdom through faith. And this, this week, I'm trusting that God is going to send you into this week with the grace and the power and the authority to actually walk into the enemy's camp this week and not just have a desire on a Sunday morning, but actually the authority to walk into the enemy's camp and take back everything that was stolen. And you're gonna to have to go after Jesus. It's just not gonna be easy. It's not gonna to come to you on the couch. It is gonna be very hard. There's gonna be tears involved, I guarantee that. But man, your life is gonna make history. In fact, uh, some of you here this morning, I, th- I feel like you're, you're so entrenched in survival mode that you can barely even say with the heart of the Father that I want it back. You can't even say that. And so I would just encourage you right now, it's just, just as, as we're about to dismiss here, just to have some beautiful times, but, but some holy battle with your heart and let somebody pray for you. And just sometimes when you, when you speak, I've been in survival mode and I've given away all of this stuff and you tell somebody else there, that is a, that is a step in freedom for you. I wanna ask you to do something crazy and dangerous and that's as the, as the prayer team comes to the front. I just wanna ask you to, to come find somebody. Maybe you're so broken this morning. Listen to this. Maybe you're so broken that you can't make it to the front. I want you to sit right where you are with your hand raised and someone's just gonna find you because we're just gonna be church this morning. But I'm not closing. All right, you guys, you guys can go when you want to or, or stay if you need to, but I'm just gonna leave it there, amen? All right, go when God says to go, but do something dangerous this morning and it's gonna be good and this is gonna be your best year ever. I guarantee that, amen? Father, bless these people with, with, the, with the heart, with the power, with the grace this day to take back all the ground that the enemy has taken. Touch them, bless them. Thank you, God, that we get to walk this out together. Thank you that you are not finished with us. We just, these next moments, God, we just pray, man, they'd be history-making, defining moments where you would mark us, mark us, and that you would guard us and the enemy would never take this ground again. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 